The Water Values Podcast, Session 84. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Gabe McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my son Joey said, I'm Dave McGimsey and thanks for joining me. Today we've got a fantastic show for you. Christine Boyle, president of Valor Water, joins us to discuss helping utilities harness their data to improve their operations, or as she calls it, unleashing the power of their data. Uh, Our conversation is a little over 36 minutes long, so I'll dispense with the takeaways at the end of the show and wish you happy listening because Christine brought her A-game for this interview. You're really going to enjoy it. So with that said, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Well, Christine, thanks so much for coming on to the Water Values Podcast. Really appreciate your time today. Uh, To start off, can you tell us a little about your background and how you got interested in water? Sure. Hi, Dave. Great to be here. Um, I started um, learning about water as a young person in my 20s, kind of traveling around and um, thinking about how I could make a greatest impact on the greatest number of people in the world and saw that water was the um, kind of the thread that that tied us all together. And at that point decided to pursue my graduate work in water resource management um, and water resource economics and um, moved forward at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, which is one of the premier water universities in the United States of America, um, studying every uh, water resource planning, water resource engineering, um, economics, and really getting all the t- tools in the toolkit that I would need in order to um, create a career. And uh, I didn't know exactly what my path was going to look like professionally then, but I knew that I wanted to um, make an impact related to water. And so started pursuing the, the tools in the toolkit that I would need to, to make that happen. Terrific. Now, uh, before we kind of get into what you're doing now, uh, you said that the U- University of North Carolina had, was one of the premier schools for uh, water resource economics and, mm-hmm. and probably water resources in general. Could you, what makes it such a premier institution? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, they, well, I would say at the University of North Carolina, they have, they attack the how to solve water from numerous angles. Um, my advisor was in the School of Public Health and um, really came at it from a, you know, how to protect human populations from um, both water scarcity and also poor water quality, both globally and in the United States. Um, where I ended up spending many years of my life as a researcher was at the Environmental Finance Center, which attacked the question of how to solve water from the, the angle of how do you pay for water? How do you pay to to have local governments and communities um, have the investment and capital that they need in order to provide clean water? Um, the School of Urban Planning has a number of highly notable water professors. So, you know, it's a, it's a bunch of different academic and student groups trying to tackle the problem of water from from numerous angles. Um, there's also a, a, the Water Center there that is led by Jamie Bartram that's that's doing great work worldwide. So I think it's, you know, not trying to, it's not, there's no silver bullet here. There's no one solution, but um, kind of uh, chipping at the problem from a number of different angles is, is it makes sense. And that's what they're doing at, at, at the University of North Carolina. 
Sure, and I, I've had the pleasure of speaking with Jeff Hughes on a couple of occasions, and he actually uh-huh. has been, he's actually been a guest on the podcast, and I really find his work uh, absolutely fascinating in terms of the, the creative rate design things he's doing and figuring out how to pay for a lot of our uh, water uh, infrastructure issues and how to uh, develop rate designs that are equitable and fair. Yeah. And so it's, it's really fascinating stuff. But uh, uh, So good people coming out of the University of North Carolina. Um, so what are you doing now with this, this uh, great degree you got from UNC? <laughs> well, uh, I, you know, I worked with Jeff uh, and the team there, uh, Mary Tiger, Shadi Eskoff, for many years, applying data science methodologies to uh, huge sets of, of billing data from utilities across the state of North Carolina. And when I graduated, you know, I started getting the, um, the entrepreneurial itch and uh, ultimately went to Jeff and the team and back to the University of North Carolina and uh, and presented them with an idea to commercialize the technology around uh, applying data science methodologies to water utility data. And uh, I got their blessing um, and came up came up with a technology transfer agreement that made sense for everyone. And then I moved my uh, myself and my family out to San Francisco and and spun that technology into a company and a, a software as a service platform, which is how uh, Valor Water Analytics came to be. So I've been doing that now since the very end of 2013. Okay, so Valor Water, it's a, it's a software as a service, mm-hmm. a data analytics firm, it sounds like. So what, what are you doing with all this data? How, how are you leveraging water data uh, for the benefit of it? It must be utilities. It is for the benefit of utilities. Well, you know, it took a while to to translate what we did in a research setting into um, kind of uh, finding that product market fit with water utilities. Um, but we've done it, and we now have five active deployments um, across the country. And we're doing it from a, a couple of different angles. A is we're detecting um, anomalies and errors across meter and billing data, uh, which is a class of errors in a water utility known as apparent losses. So we have an apparent loss tracker uh, that locates apparent losses on roughly 2.3% of meters per utility. Um, And if we add up what that means in terms of revenue that's being lost at a utility, that comes out to the the order of um, over a billion dollars per year that water utilities are losing um, by not tracking these types of anomalies, such as water theft, leaks, um, meter under registration, these types of things. So, so that's that's those are categories of non-revenue water, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a lot of money that we're saying should be identified and then put and reinvested into the infrastructure that utilities need. Like, there's no sense to go and borrow more money than you need if you're if if you could improve your process efficiency and simply uh, capture that that revenue within your 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 utility um, we also are have another product called a cutoff analyzer which is uh, meant to curb and improve payment performance across utilities and really try and get utilities to avoid ever having to cut off someone's water for non-payment. So we run um, predictive analytics and different types of um, customer segmentation to help message customers um, proactively so and give them the time and the resources that they would need to 
avoid ever having their water cut off. Um, and we have that program running in two utilities right now. Okay. Um, so our, what, yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, what, sure. what are some of the other uh, programs that you have? Uh, other two are around um, very similar to the work that, you know, that Jeff and I did together is a water rate optimizing software to help do scenario planning around climate change. Um, and we also have a conservation analytics tool to help address and identify inefficiency, inefficient customers and, and message them to get them to, <clears throat> to control their demand. Um, so... Those are our four modules. We've got a bunch of modules in in uh, development right now, but those are the, our those are our bread and butter. Okay, terrific. Now, uh, let's let's go back to that hidden revenue locator. Uh, you said that was deployed in five utilities. I want to say. Yes. Okay, and what kind of performance improvements have they seen? Uh, for example, is the is that 2.3% of water? I mean, is that all going to be capturable? Because I know in non-revenue water, it's about optimization, not minimization. So in non-revenue water, so there's there's two pieces of the puzzle for non-revenue water. One is um, real losses, and those are losses like in the greater distribution system. And we know that those are can be quite high. It could be you know anywhere from 6 to 10% of a utility's water is lost in their distribution network. Um, our technology actually locates uh, non-revenue water only at the meter, so we're not able to, you know, capture that like giant main break in the middle of town. We're capturing it at the at the meter and behind the meter. So by addressing that class, uh, we're able to take you know what would have been let's say uh, you know two percent of your your annual revenue and um, you know three percent of your utility's total water production that's being lost, we're able to at least cut that in half um, and ultimately do even have greater performance than that, uh, which, it, you know, it doesn't, those aren't small percentages, but when you, when you multiply it out to a number of millions of gallons and number of dollars saved, those are, those are some very big numbers. Right. And so in terms of how that's, how that savings is achieved, are you doing, what is it? Meter switch outs, uh, because I know that when you do a large meter replacement program, oftentimes that can that can return that revenue sometimes within a year. Uh, so we're doing, yeah, we're do, we're helping with meter fleet management. So instead of uh, only replacing meters on a schedule uh, with an age as the determinant, we're actually able to locate low performing um, and malfunctioning meters and 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 swap those out uh, faster. Um, in order to get the most, you know, to, to kind of target where the problem is most dire and, and, and use your capital to, to, to remedy and prioritize um, your meter fleet replacement schedule. Um, we're also able to flag theft and um, meter misreads and meter misclassification. And those, of course, take resources at the utility, such as either the IT department, um, field ops. So we work with all of those teams to because analytics, at the end of the day, if it's just a report, that's not going to move the dial. So, you know, this is really we're kind of in the weeds working with your your teams to uh, make sure that there's action uh, associated with the analytics so that you can really get leverage what we're finding and and, and improve process efficiency. Terrific. Now, yeah. uh, if we can go on to that next class, um, next product you have out there, mm -hmm. I, I think 
it was the, the kind of the cutoff analyzer to cut make, analyzer. yeah, to, to make sure, uh, you know, do it to do a predictive analysis. Now I know that, um, that no one likes to talk about water cutoffs and that no. was, it was a big <laughs> issue in like Detroit, yeah. uh, and those areas. And so how, how can a utility use that tool to minimize the number of cutoffs? I mean, what, what, what type of analytics are you looking at so that you can, you know, identify people that need help? So the first thing that we, we realized is that not all cutoff customers are alike, that there are different reasons that, that, that folks do get cut off. Um, and we help understand and try to, um, to understand what's behind the cutoff. Um, for example, there are there are populations of communities that that just don't have the money to pay their bill. They're you know they're trying to make ends meet and they don't have the money to pay their bill. So that's a certain class of customer where we would target different types of subsidies, customer assistance, um, these types of interventions. Uh, there's another class of customers that you know, maybe they filled their pool or there was a leak or something happened. And for that reason, maybe that just that month, they're ha facing financial hardship because of some kind of one-off, you know, some kind of one-off situation where they couldn't pay their bill. So, you know, that type of part of the population would need a different type of intervention and strategy. Um, and then we know there are other things that happen, such as you know, plain old forgetfulness or vacationers or these types of things of folks that could get their water cut off. So we're trying to understand and really break apart um, why people aren't paying their bill and then to target different types of both programming and messaging proactively before they get their water cut off to those customers via email, text, door hangers, you know, what have you, so that, that it's the right message for the right, for the right person at the right time. Yeah, that sounds that sounds very interesting because right now it's kind of a cookie cutter, one size fits all approach that most utilities use. Um, yeah, so yeah that, and and it, and it's in the on the on the customer side, it's kind of a black box. A lot of people don't know their water is getting cut off until the the guy <laughs> shows up with his his you know to to flip the switch. So we're trying to give them some earlier options to 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 solve that situation as well. Yeah, and I my suspicion is that's going to help a lot the the relationship between utility and customer, you know, it, it with, with greater customer engagement and things like that. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, we, we think of it as, you know, cause we're kind of born out of the Southeast. We think of it as a, as a very nice courtesy that the utility <laughs> can do to um, improve the, the, the experience on the customer side. Sure. Uh, let's talk about the, um, the, your water rate optimization tool that it yeah. predicts, um, that, that uses climate change models. Mm -hmm. uh, how exactly does that work? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that we're really proud of that tool. So we, we're doing quite a bit of work with that tool out here in California as you know, we're in the, we're in the thick of the drought right now. And we've had quite a few clients approach us that a they're, they're bleeding revenue because of the the cuts. Like they're, you know, they're the average utility in North, in California the average utility revenue has gone down by um, at least 20% um, and almost and on average anywhere between 20 and 30%. And that's, that, that, that's really hurting utilities out here. So 
our uh, rate model simulator um, takes all their historic data so we can understand how demand is changing, what the different customer segments look like, um, and then we can optimize to help meet current demand. And we, we also run it under, uh, you know, you think of the financial world, how they're doing these stress tests to see how your financials perform under a, a range of different scenarios. Well, we're doing the same thing, but we're running your, using all your customer data um, into the future. We're running it under different climate scenario and economic stress tests to see what the bills are gonna look like, what demand looks like, and also how your revenue performs under these different types of um, external stressors, such as drought, um, economic downturn, et cetera. That's fascinating. Are, do you find utilities are, they've got the data kind of ready for you, or <laughs> is there a period where they kind of need to collect some data before they can use the product? A lot of it, I mean, utilities have tons of great data. It's, it's, it is quite tricky to, to uh, access, and a lot of times it needs a lot of scrubbing. Because if you've got, like, say you like, will see a data point where, you know, there's just a, the wrong number of zeros, where it should have been 10,000, let's say it should have been 10,000 gallons, and there was some kind of fat finger or meter error, and it says, like, a million gallons. And we know that a million gallons wasn't even humanly possible physically possible to go through that meter. So, you know, we're, we do a lot of both work with our utility clients to both um, extract the data and then to scrub it so that we make sure that it's accurately reflecting um, the reality and not some technical error. So as you were talking, I, it was just going through my mind that, you know, there's a lot of, there's, I've had other guests on and we've talked about, you know, there are over 50,000 utilities out there and all this. And we've, some yeah. of those, some of those conversations have ranged into, um, there needs to be a lot of consolidation to gain greater efficiencies in the water utility sector. I'm curious if anyone has talked with you about using the, the data you're providing and the service mm -hmm. you're providing to kind of see if uh, there might be opportunities for, you know, merger, acquisition, or other type of consolidation. I'm just kind of curious because it, it sounds like these predictive tools you you have, um, they, they could be valuable in that space. I think, I mean, I know in the state of California in particular, there is a lot of talk about achieving greater efficiency in, um, you know, water resource management. And a lot of that does come, and, and in the, in the residential sector in particular, coming through consolidations. You know, we, we've been talking to um, some of the state regulators about what that might look like, but to date, you know, we, we haven't used our tools for, for those purposes, but um, we're very much advocates of uh, achieving greater, greater economies of scale and trying to, um, you know, use the resources at hand in the most cost-effective way possible um, but that's, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, sensitivity around what that means on the ground. So um, that, it might be a little early for us to, to enter, to enter the, the fray there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And, and, you know, as, as you were talking, I also, my mind was also running and saying, well, if, if a utility adopts your software and starts, you know, improving its revenues, that's going to make it more attractive, or at least the revenues are going to, be more validated, uh, should I say, so that when a utility goes into those types of discussions, 
they are going to have a better um, data set for whatever the price they're they're willing to be acquired at is, if that makes sense. So, yeah, and we're working with a couple agencies in California that that were in pretty rough shape from the drought, and we're you know we're helping them get out of a financial hardship situation and into a sound financial position. So, you know, whether they're operating in order to serve their community or they're thinking that what you don't want to be is like in that desperate hardship situation and have someone come and take you over. So I, I, I totally agree with you, Dave, like it's, let's get everyone into a good financial position so that, um, so that whether it's a consolidation or just operating that, that, you know, there's no kind of David Goliath situation here. Right. And I think it, <laughs> we could go on for hours about this because yeah. I, I was just thinking, obviously, the utilities that are in more revenue stress are going to there's going to be more deferred maintenance, more things like yeah. that. And so it's yeah. going to uh, it's a vicious cycle once you get in it. Um, yeah. It uh, sure is. <laughs> yeah. And, and you had talked about your fourth platform that you use, the, the conservation target platform. Could you explain a little how that one works? Yeah, that one was one that, you know, while I was at the Environmental Finance Center, we did a lot of work with utilities during the 2007-2008 drought. Um, and we started understanding um, what were the different drivers and of, of how different uh, residential and non-residential users could be kind of classified into ways that to do more targeted interventions around um, how they used water. So we ended up splitting the residential and non-residential class into different seg uh, segments based on their peaking profile and their baseline profile in order to, again, kind of understand what the efficiency level is of these different types of homes and then target messaging to them at the right time and with the right messaging. Um, you don't want to send an apartment dweller, you know, a, a turf replacement um, rebate and the same way that you don't want to send kind of, you know, uh, I don't know, a giant, a giant household, you know, something that might, that might not really move the dial for them. So we're just trying to understand what different customer segments look like. And then what are the, what are the acceptable efficiency levels for each of those segments? Um, sure. And, and so like you, you brought up the apartment dweller, are there, have you developed a program that targets, you know, water conservation for, for those multifamily type of units? We have, and you know, it's nothing, it's nothing, uh, <laughs> nothing shocking here. But it's mostly, it's going to be mostly about um, fixture um, and appliance swap out. So, like, if, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna target them with um, low flow toilets, shower head fixtures, making sure that that you can track and understand where leaks are occurring um, in those, uh, especially those older units. So. That's you know that's what an apartment and multifamily uh, program is going to look like, as opposed to you know kind of your suburban um, targeting, where your greatest water savings are clearly going to come from um, outdoor water use uh, reductions. Sure. And another question is, as we were kind of going through that was uh, some of the apartment complexes I've dealt with in the past. They have submeters, and so there's a master meter, and then the utility just has its deal with whoever owns the apartment complex and then the apartment complex either they'll either just split the bill amongst all the apartment dwellers or they'll yeah. actually submeter it. Yeah. Ha have you gone to the level that next level of actually uh, looking at the submetered applications? We haven't. We're mostly looking at, it depends on who owns the submeter. So we'll see submeter if the utility owns it, but in most cases we've seen that it's the, 
like the the property owner who controls the submeter. So if that's the case, we don't see it. Okay. Um, we only, I, you know, we kind of say we're not able to kind of peek behind the curtain a lot of the times. We're only seeing up to where the utility data goes, and then whatever's behind the curtain, you know, we can we can speculate as to different trends that might be going on. But with a, you know, like let's say like a four or six inch uh, pipe master meter, there's only so much we can say about what's going on behind that. Right. Right. Um, well, in terms of we've talked a little about kind of what the data for one of the specific programs and uh, and the amount of scrubbing that needs to be done. I mean, what what kind of data are you actually getting from the utilities? Is it is it just volumetric data uh, on, at, you know, at a certain time interval? Uh, what are the, some of the other data points you're looking for? So we we try to get we get a lot of different data. Um, so we're gonna get all of the um, anonymized billing data. So we never, you know, we don't we're 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 very concerned with security. So we're never gonna know a customer name or um, any of their, you know, kind of confidential information. But we are gonna get um, meter level consumption data and customer types. So we're gonna know if you're a business or a residence that that type of thing. Um, we're gonna. We're also grabbing as high frequency of consumption data as we can. So we're working with a number of AMI vendors, so we can get actually hourly meter reads um, for those meters. Um, we will also understand a lot of the operational data fields. So we're going to understand um, how frequent the, that 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 meter has been turned off. Um, what kind of um, kind of tampering history they've had, what kind of um, service orders that they've that they've that have been processed at that meter so we can understand kind of where are the the hot spots for um, different types of non-revenue water issues. Um, we'll often layer on um, also weather data, um, also different types of kind of census data and spatial data. So we're trying to we, you know we're trying to cross cross fertilize as many different data sources as we can to get the most meaningful information about what what might be going on um, both at a, at the meter level and then also as like a trend analysis yeah I'm, I'm a little nervous about ca capturing the weather data because uh, in utility rate cases I've, I've had to fight off these wet weather adjustments that that sometimes are, <laughs> are proposed <laughs> and yeah uh, it, it, it's just so so difficult but um, it is but how can you I mean like water use is driven by weather, so if you um, well, if you don't pay attention to weather, you're in trouble. Oh, I I understand completely yeah. how how you're looking at. It. I'm talking about the yeah. the guy who goes in and tries to get the rate increases for the utilities, and then the the advocates for the consumers are pushing back, saying, "Oh, well, it rained a lot last year, so that means right. your uh, revenues were depressed. In a normal year, your revenues would have been higher, so you don't need as big of an increase." And, I see. And I see. and. Uh, <laughs> but the, my argument is typically been there's no no model has been proposed uh, that is fixed, known, and measurable for rate making purposes to make that type of adjustment. And so, you, you know, you're kind of <laughs> I'm just kid, I'm half kidding when I say that you're getting us closer to to making that type of adjustment fixed, known, and measurable. So, well, uh, <laughs> I could and I've also you know our work with the Public Utilities Commission here has been. Okay, no one, no one's got a crystal ball. We don't know what the weather's going to be, but like, let's think, make things a bit more nimble. So, if you are in a uh, a situation where the re the either the regulatory system or weather is really affecting your revenues, that you should be able to make 
an adjust have a uh, an adjustment mechanism. Um, so, uh, because again, like like yeah, modeling is 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 only a model. We none of us none of us have a perfect crystal ball. <laughs> yeah, I, I you know I I haven't really thought about it. Uh, you know, taking it out to the to the level. Uh, I I don't like a a an adjustment that couldn't be changed for what actually happened. Right. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to go on the record because I haven't talked with a client about this by saying that if you did some sort of weather true up, um, I, it just it would be so difficult, I think, though, to, to baseline that and figure out, you know, at what level. Um, that's a conversation for another day. But it's sounds, it, like, you it, need, it, sounds like you need some data scientists. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fascinating topic, though, I've, <laughs> but I've had to fight off a couple of those wet weather adjustments. Um <laughs> so uh what what else uh, if someone was in really interested in in using the valor water system uh we've mm -hmm. talked a little about the data they have what what kind of requirements are needed in order to to implement it uh so we we come in we work with all different types of utilities big small um with the most sophisticated billing systems like say an oracle or sap and then we also work with utilities that have some homegrown uh, you know, billing system that their team built in the 90s. So we, you know, we, we really have seen it all. Um, what we, you know, we come in, we work with your IT department, and sometimes it's outsourced, sometimes it's in-house, uh, and we work hand-in-hand -hand with utilities to set up the data integration. I think the biggest thing that, that, we, that is important to us when we're working with clients is you have to have resources ready to take action. Um, if you're not if you don't have the operational and field resources ready to, you know, kind of investigate di these different anomalies, um, look and see what's going on with certain meters, address this tampering situation, you know, if that if you don't have the resources ready to kind of uh, be proactive, uh, you know, we're we're not. It's not going to be an effective um, technology partnership. So. Uh, that's and, and so far all of our clients. I mean, you're not going to work with us unless you are interested in that. So, um, but that's been something that we're we're pretty firm about at the beginning. Is you know you got to be ready to address these issues, or else, again, it's just numbers on a piece of paper or on a on a computer. Yeah, you can't just throw money at the problem, right? By hiring you and, <laughs> no. and expecting you to do everything, you got to roll your sleeves up a little. And yeah, and, we're we kind of like get in the weeds with clients. We're we're ready to roll our sleeves up, and 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 our clients need to be ready to do that too. Yeah. And so I, I think that kind of feeds into one of the questions I, that was bouncing around my mind as I was contemplating this interview. And that is, you know, how do you overcome the inertia, the, the utilities industry, at least to me, it seems uh, there are elements of it now, not every, again, this is a generalization. So not every utility is like this, obviously, but uh, it's so hard to, to get them to try new things at times. And, you know, and you said, hey, we roll up our sleeves with our clients. I mean, wh what characteristics or how do you how do you see uh, overcoming that inertia to just, hey, things are running fine. Let's just keep it how it is. Uh, you know, it's been we've seen a lot of different uh, different things in, in kind of the utility marketplace. I mean, there are some utilities that are always game like they're that are to try something new. These, you know, like take like an East Bay Mud or. Um, or some of the larger private water utilities, they're always looking to improve and uh, push the dial forward in terms of efficiency. Um, so there's those types. There are also ones that 
you know, they've got a real problem and it's affecting their budgets, it's affecting their staffing, it's affecting their uh, customer reputation. Um, so again, like, you know, if there's, it's kind of, you kind of look around and see if, if there's kind of that hair on fire <laughs> type of situation that you can help put out. Um, and like for cutoff analyzer, for example, like sometimes there's just a real crisis and it is occupying like huge amounts of, 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 of utility resources. And, and so they're looking for that solution. Um, we also know that there are certain states, for example, Georgia and California have quite um, strict water loss control laws um, as of as of late. So sometimes it's a regulatory pressure that's kind of going to drive drive action. So um, you know, I guess as a as an academic, I could say yeah, it depends. But we've seen <laughs> that there are these there are these different reasons as to you know why they're going to put in the effort needed to to do things like this. But it, we also see that there is a kind of a, a, a you know kind of a wave of youth coming into the water industry. And they're excited to make an impact and, and improve the industry and, and bring bring it into the 21st century. So we're you know we're I I have you know I don't it's not a client but a utility I really admire down in Orange County is Molten Nigel. I mean they've got like a fleet of incredibly dedicated and intelligent professionals down there. They're just doing a fantastic job, and they just have this wave of kind of energy and youth that are getting in there and. And making a difference. So, you know, I, I've seen a lot of great things. That's that's terrific. It's good to hear too, because I, you know, there's the water utility industry is, you know, for years kind of been been worried about this looming labor labor shortage. Uh, yeah. So it's good to know that 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 you're seeing uh, that 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 problem may not be as big as we thought, even though it it still deserves attention. Um, turning to you know, so why is a client going to to use your system, it's not just for the good of conserving water or something like that. I mean, there's got to be a revenue component to it. And so what what do you kind of see as the short-term and long-term savings or revenue, uh, you know, revenue enhancement to the utility by using Valor Water's products? Uh, so we, you know, like we come from a financial background. So we're, we're always looking at, uh, you know, driving using ROI to prove out a product. Like we don't, you know, we don't want to waste anyone's time. We don't want to waste our time, but um, we, we do see that uh, higher frequency data is now available in terms of AMI. And um, whereas like on a old like manual or monthly read system, we were, ha we experienced ROIs um, on our hidden revenue locator of, you know, always, you know, roughly, 200%, 300% ROI um, to really, and that's that's backing into that, what that is looking like is, let's say, 0. 0.5 to 1.5% of annual revenue, which, you know, is a, is a big number if you're thinking about, let's say, $100 million annual revenue. Um, so these are very ROI-driven uh, activities, and the cutoff analyzer are the same. We're, we're often decreasing arrears and improving payment performance by 60%. And, you know, and that's almost always in the six-figure, sometimes a seven-figure amount that we're delivering back to the utility um, to, 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 for them to leverage in either deferring rate cases, or sorry, deferring rate increases, um, reinvesting into capital, you know, what have you. Well, that, that's fantastic. Now, Christine, is there anything um, that you'd like to say that we kind of haven't really gone over so far? Um, 
Any, anything else you'd like to just mention about Valor Water or its products? Uh, it's probably worth men mentioning our um, our mission statement. So our mission is is not to just have all these products, but our mission is to kind of just un help utilities unleash the power of their data. Uh, we've seen data, what we call like kind of the utility data dungeon. It's for various reasons, it's just either a resource constraint or a security concern or what have you that they're just, and even some of their technology providers make make them pay to access their own data. So we want to be kind of the go-to place to have, to help utilities understand and manage their flows of data, make it readily accessible to their customers and to their internal staff, and just make that data, um, give people the knowledge and information about their water that, that they're that they're really begging for these days. And, and you know, that's, that's our underlying mission is just open up the flows of data um, and make it more informative and, and drive better decision making. Terrific. Well, you know, you've been absolutely fantastic today, Christine, walking us through a lot of, you know, really complex stuff. Uh, for those who want to find out more about you and about Valor Water, where can they go to get that information? They can go to valorwater.com. Um, we try and make ourselves pretty uh, accessible. So, you know, you can find all of our contact information there. Um, I'm Christine at valorwater.com, and we've got a great team here um, that are all <laughs> love talking about water and working with utilities to um, to improve their uh, kind of process efficiency. So contact us anytime. Terrific. Well, thanks again, Christine. Thanks. For pre really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, Dave. Uh -huh, thanks, for, thanks, thanks for all this. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. All right. Well, that was my interview with Christine Boyle, president of Valor Water. She's awesome. I really enjoyed speaking with her. And you can understand now why I said she brought her A-game to the interview. She was absolutely fantastic. Um, as I indicated earlier, no takeaways today due to the length of the interview. So please check out the show notes for this episode, which is posted on uh, thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 84. You can email me at david at thewatervalues.com, tweet at me at DTM1993, and tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. If you've been enjoying the podcast, I'd appreciate your support by spreading the word about the Water Values podcast, and by providing a rating and a review on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or whatever other podcast directory you're listening to the show on. Thanks, for, thanks again for listening to the Water Values podcast, and please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. And information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.